you set foot on foreign soil. Only this land isn't ruled by any country or government. In this land we celebrate music. In this land we celebrate games. In this land we celebrate those who compose video game music. Welcome to the VG Embassy. Embassy. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the VG Embassy. This is a new show centered around video game music and the amazing online community of fans and podcasters that enjoy it. My name's Ed, and on each episode, I'll take the role of Prime VG Minister and invite a guest VG Ambassador onto the show to share with us their own video game music culture. Or I might share a part of my culture on a solo show. Speaking of the amazing online community of fans and podcasters that enjoy it, I have a very special guest VG ambassador today. So with us on episode four, Hockey with the Messenger, is Alex Messenger. And so Alex, in relation to the VGM community, he's very important because he's one of the moderators of the Fans of VGM Podcasts group on Facebook, which is kind of like a central hub where a lot of fans of VGM podcasts and podcasters like to hang out. It's become very popular in the past few months that it's been uh, going on for. So I'm really happy to have you on the show, Alex. Welcome to the VG Embassy, and thank you for being a VG Ambassador with us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for, uh, you know, having me on the show, Ed. Actually, uh, to let you know, we're actually getting up to the uh, one-year anniversary of the group. Oh, my God. Has it been that long? It feels like only a couple of months that it's been open, but that's because there's so much activity on it. It's just... It goes a mile a minute. Oh, uh, that group, it definitely grew a lot over the months, and we're kind of like one big, you know, happy family of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't heard of it, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash VGM podcast fans, and you'll be able to find it pretty easily. And you can just request to join, and we'll let you in, and you can start on the conversation. We do a lot of talking about video game music and podcasts, and some people give updates on the latest VGM podcasts or share their favorite songs they've just discovered. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. So, speaking of VGM and video games, today's topic is hockey. And we've chosen the subject because I've known through hearing a lot of uh, Alex's posts and requests on the VGM jukebox over the years and just talking to him online that he's a really big hockey fan. And I figured that this would be a great theme so Alex could share kind of his passion with us. And we can dig into some kind of obscure and uh, well-known hockey games and listen to some music from them. So Alex, how did you come to love hockey so much? I first started watching hockey when my uh, grandfather, he would take me to uh, games for local, you know, hockey team. And, you know, constantly, you know, going there, like, every Saturday game that they have, I just grew to love the game. I could imagine, yeah. 
I, uh, I did the same thing with football when I was a kid. My dad was a Yale graduate, and we live about 15 minutes from the Yale campus. So we would always go to the Yale football games, and that's, that's kind of how I got into it. So I guess our childhoods were kind of parallel, because I would go to the Saturday football games, and you'd go to the Saturday hockey games, and we both kind of got interested in it that way. That's, that's pretty cool. So how did you come to love video games and, and VGM so much? I mean, you're always posting about really cool VGM stuff on the group. So where, where did you get your love for that? Video games have pretty much just always been, you know, a part of my life. Like, I really can't think of, you know, any time that, you know, I just didn't have video games. My dad, he had a Super Nintendo, and, you know, he, I mean, he would have, like, the main classics, like Super Mario World and A Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. And I would either, you know, watch him play it or play along with him and... I think, you know, playing with my dad, it, you know, we kind of, you know, bonded over that and it just kind of helped me grow my love for video games. Absolutely. I know that feeling. I used to play the Atari 2600 with my dad and my grandpa when I was a kid. And those are some of my favorite memories from back then. So it's always cool. And I'm trying to do the same thing with, with my kids, too. You know, my, my youngest is really into Nintendo and Kirby and Yoshi and all that. So I try to sit down with him as much as I can and play because I want him to have those same memories that we had. So this must be a, a great show for you then, because we're kind of combining probably your two biggest passions into one, right? We're doing VGM and we're doing hockey at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty surreal. Uh, I'll <laughs> definitely tell you that. Well, I'm glad that I could help you uh, share this, this passion and culture of yours with everyone listening to the VG Embassy. So what do you say we get into the first track? We're going to go kind of chronologically here. So Hockey video games have been around for a really long time. In fact, some of the earliest video games were actually hockey video games, and they're still making hockey video games to this day. So we're going to start off with a pretty early title uh, with a great soundtrack. So number one on our list is Power Play Hockey USA versus USSR. And this came out on the Commodore 64 in 1988. We're gonna play the intro slash title music from that game. And the composer was the infamous C64 composer himself, Rob Hubbard. Let's take a listen.
Alright, that was the title screen music from Power Play Hockey, USA vs. USSR. That came out on the Commodore 64 in 1988, composed by the venerable Rob Hubbard. What'd you think of this one, Alex? I thought it was pretty pleasant. I don't know, I was, uh... I kind of had this idea in my head that like, I was expecting something, I don't know, maybe a little more a- aggressive sounding, maybe? But Yeah, Hubbard definitely has kind of an aggressive sound in a lot of his Commodore 64 tracks. But this one was, uh, I don't know, it had kind of like a spectacle feeling at the beginning, like... Like, it felt kind of like almost like a carnival, like da-da-da-da-da, you know, like kind of a pageantry kind of feel. But then it gets kind of heavy with those, the drums and like those really, really thick synths that I just love about the Sid chip. Like, no two Sid songs sound that much the same because those textures in those synths are just so programmable and you can make them sound kind of any way you want. And Rob Hubbard had this like really good knack for making all of his songs sound very different from each other. Have you played this game at all? Or, like, even looked at any video of it? Yeah, I checked out a little bit of gameplay for it. It it looks like a pretty decent game. You know, one thing that was kind of bugging me about it was uh, all the players, like, on their teams, they mostly had, like, the same color jerseys. Yeah. But then, like, one of their guys would have, like, a darker color. Yeah. Well, that's the guy that you're controlling. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah, so instead of having like an icon above or below them like they do in kind of like the modern games, the slightly different colored one would be the one that you're controlling at the time. And I think it's kind of like Tecmo Bowl or something where you can only control one guy. You can't switch your your character. So you just have to kind of keep a lookout for that one guy with the dark jersey, and that's, that's how you're controlling. And the screen follows the puck and not your guy. So there's a possibility for you to go off the screen and you kind of have to find your way back. But overall, for it being like a 1988 Commodore 64 game, the game controls really well and it feels really smooth. So they did a really good job on this one. I feel like as far as like the system goes, they they could have done much, much worse. I was actually expecting a lot, a lot worse. Yeah, definitely. And there are some worse games for newer systems that we're probably going to talk about as the show goes on but uh you know a big part about hockey games is like that feeling of momentum because obviously you're on ice skates and you can't stop really really short and you can't make like right angle turns and so a lot of these really early games kind of had that that kind of feeling and i was kind of expecting that out of this c64 game but it, it wasn't you made really good kind of like realistic turns and 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 skating lines with this one so you know they, they did their research on it so let's see let's get into a brief history of hockey video games because i mentioned earlier that they're some of the earliest games to have ever come out and the very first official hockey game was uh hockey slash soccer and that came out of the magnavox odyssey 2 which was released way back in 1979 so i was only a year old and alex you probably weren't even a gleam in your parents eye at that point no oh not even an idea nothing yeah exactly so it was a pretty basic game it looked a lot like pong or you know some of the earlier atari 2600 games where it was just a solid color background and you had you know single color sprite guys that would kind of move around the screen and try to get the puck into just like this very square looking net 
you know, it was, it was good. There wasn't any music at all in the game, so there was really nothing to feature on this show. And I say it's the first official hockey game because, you know, the infamous game Pong could technically be considered a rudimentary hockey game, and that came out in 1972. So, you know, if you want to kind of like stretch the rules a little bit, you could say that hockey was one of the very first video games ever made. And since then, there have been over 100 hockey titles released in the North American video game market, spanning nearly every single console and handheld system released here with the exception of the 3DO, which really made me upset because uh, the Madden game, Madden NFL, was really good on the 3DO, and I was doing some research for this particular show, and there's a prototype, you can watch it on YouTube, prototype video of NHL 96 for the 3DO, and it looked really, really good. You you watched that, Alex. What, what did you think of that one? Yeah, yeah, I actually thought it did look pretty good as well, and... Uh... I guess it was another one of those games that I kind of had, like, some expectations in my mind, and it was completely <laughs> different than what I was expecting. Yeah, a lot of people, if you're not familiar with the 3DO, you maybe kind of underestimate its capabilities sometimes, but especially with, like, Electronic Arts, they would make really good polygonal-based games, and I think with the 3DO version, it was going to be sprite-based, digitized hockey players on a fully polygonal hockey rink with like dynamic camera angles and uh, like reflective ice and stuff it, it looked really good for its time so it's a shame that it never came out but you know being that there's like over a hundred hockey titles the collection of games and tunes that we're playing here doesn't even cover 10 percent of the existing hockey games so i'd love to hear about your favorite hockey games and game tunes on the vg embassy social media pages and i'll put links to those in the show notes and i'll call those out at the end of the show so Stay tuned for that. So I know, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of tunes that you guys are probably hoping that we play from hockey games that we might not get to. Feel free to share them on our social media. That would be totally awesome. So is there uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go on to the next track, Alex? Really, all I got to say was I did definitely had to leave some, you know, some games out of this episode. Yeah, same for me. And I made a couple of last minute switches with my picks so there are a couple titles that almost made it into the show and you know it's crazy there are a lot of really good soundtracks for hockey games that i was just not aware of so i'm really excited to share some games on this show that uh have really good soundtracks that are actually some hidden gems so i'll point those out as we go through it so let's see we get into the next track we're jumping ahead two years in hockey history so this is an arcade game that came out in 1990 this is the character select theme from hit the ice which was composed by john hey let's hit it That goofy little track was the character select theme from Hit the Ice, which came out in 1990 in the arcades, and that was composed by Mr. John Hay. 
And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he's also the guy that wrote the soundtrack to all of the NBA Jam games. And uh, Hit the Ice has kind of been described as the NBA Jam of hockey games. So it's like a two-on-two with a goalie. Uh, you know, you can be on fire if you get a hat trick, and and you can do power slams and all this sort of crazy stuff. So it's a very arcade-style game, and I think this particular track kind of really matches that that flavor of the game. What what, what do you think, Alex? Just like the uh, the game, that that track, I would best describe it as goofy. Yes. Absolutely. This is kind of a tribute, I think, to Mike, my former co-host on Pixel Tunes Radio. Uh, he, he would always go in for this stuff. He loves the goofy, you know, vocal samples, uh, Mick and Mac Global Gladiators theme song kind of stuff. So this really popped out at me when I heard it. I was like, Mike's going to love this one, so I'm just going to throw it in the show. <laughs> Have you ever played Hit the Ice? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun, especially if you've got a bunch of people together, because you've got you know, all of the real players like NBA Jam has, so you can select, you know, real players from real teams, and you just kind of go head-to-head, and you can knock the crap out of each other when you're playing on defense, and then you can, you know, ram into the goalie and shoot it into the net. It's a lot of fun to play. Maybe not so much when you're doing single-player, but if you've got, you know, friends or siblings around that want to play, you'll have a good time. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, put-beer-into-your-friends-and-play kind of games. <laughs> exactly. 100% accurate on that. And, uh, you know, this this song has its merits, too, because aside from all of the crazy vocals and stuff like that, the last half of the tune is actually this nice little jazz ditty. It kind of gets a little more calm. You get a little bit more of those, uh, you know, FM tones kind of coming through with some nice sampled toms there. So I kind of appreciated it for that. You know, if they eliminated the vocals from the song, it might have been taken a little bit more seriously, but... You know, I, I understand why they have all those crazy, like, why I oughta, and you're the best going on in there, because it's it, it's it's got to feel like a crazy arcade game. Yeah, I got a feeling I'm probably going to go around saying all that, you know, for the next week. <laughs> It'll become the new meme for the week. Hit the ice. Why I oughta. Why I oughta. <laughs> all right, so uh, I put together just a quick milestone timeline, so you guys kind of understand how hockey titles evolved over the years. So, a brief history for those who have been living under a rock for the last 25 years. The NHL, which stands for the National Hockey League, it's North America's premier hockey league, and it's got teams in the United States and Canada. And the first of many licensed games was NHL Hockey, which was put out on the Intellivision and published by Mattel way back in 1979. So it was only a year after the first hockey game was ever made. And that started a long line of NHL-supported games, which are still being released to this day. Now, there's all another association called the NHLPA, and that's the NHL Players Association. And video game publishers need to also contract with them if they want to have their player names and likenesses in the games. So if you only have a contract with the NHL, that means you can put the NHL teams in the game, but not the player likenesses. And if you only contract with the NHLPA, you're not going to be able to do the team names, but you can have like generic team names like you can just go like boston calgary etc and you can have the real players and the real likenesses in there so it's kind of interesting so the the best games or the most accurate video games are going to have both nhl and nhl pa licenses the first game to feature player names but not the teams was wayne gretzky hockey which came out on the nes in 1991 
of that same year, Electronic Arts also gained both the NHL and the NHLPA rights, and they brought one of the best hockey games ever made, which was also called NHL Hockey, to the Sega Genesis. And that would begin a long yearly series of games from Electronic Arts that's continued ever since. NHL 2018 was the last one that came out, and I'm sure they'll be going on forever and ever and ever. Um, NHL Hockey on the Genesis was so popular and so good that many Europeans also credit this game, which was called EA Hockey in the UK, for introducing them to the sport, which was almost unheard of in the area at the time. So this game actually brought hockey to Europe, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, the Hockey Wars heated up when 989 Studios, a subsidiary of Sony, began to release the NHL Face-Off series, and that ran concurrently with EA's Juggernaut from 1995 until about 2003, and Sega themselves started the NHL 2K series from 2000 until 2011. Hockey fans had no shortages of games to play back then, because in inclusion to those three, there were also other hockey games coming out every year, so... At first, I really enjoyed the EA hockey games, and then later on when we got a Dreamcast and stuff, my brother and I would play like the NHL 2K games. Alex, which which was your favorite series to play back then? Uh, well, it was definitely the uh, the EA series for sure. Yeah. Any any particular reason over the other ones? I don't know. I just always felt like you know they were a bit more polished. I guess they played better. Yeah. I guess for someone who's a, like a huge hockey fan, the EA games had that accuracy going for them. I think as like a casual, like I know how hockey is played, but I don't really like watching it too much on TV, and I just want to have a good time. Like the 2K games were a little more arcadey in that sense. I think they played a little bit faster, but they weren't as real life as the EA games were. So maybe that's why we appreciated them a little bit more. I don't know. Did you get that impression? Or did you even ever play the 2K games? I kind of dabbled, you know, <laughs> with the 2K games, but I just mainly played the uh, the EA games. I guess once you get your, your loyalty going on, you don't really want to switch over. It's like, you know, drinking Coca-Cola forever and then trying to switch to Pepsi. You're like, what the hell is this? So, uh, so after that, I mean, EA were the guys that eventually emerged as the victor. So they are pretty much the only guys that have released... AAA level NHL games on home consoles for the last seven years straight. So they kind of own the monopoly on hockey games. And from what I understand, 989 Studios or Sony and I think Sega still both have NHL contracts and they're, they could make NHL games if they want to, but I think they feel like EA's got such a monopoly on it right now that if they tried to develop hockey games, they just they wouldn't stand a chance against electronic arts so i know sega's done some like mobile hockey games here and there but nothing on the on the home consoles which i find you know very disappointing because you know when the 2k games were out it just kind of just lit this fire you know under ea to do better in their nhl games and it definitely shows nowadays that they're they're still good games but they could be a lot better. Yeah, I've, I've always heard that there's been a lot of complaints. And I know with EA nowadays, you know, they're kind of microtransacting things a lot, you know, with Star Wars Battlefront and all that stuff coming out that they've had all these loot crates and it's not like you're not buying a full game anymore. So is, is that kind of the way that the NHL games have been with them lately? Do you find that there's like lots of unlockables or can you pretty much just get into the full game right away? They have the uh, ultimate team 
mode. Like, they also got this, like, on FIFA and Madden, where, like, you get, like, these, like, these packs, and, like, you build your own team, okay. you know, with, you know, these, you know, NHL players and stuff, and, like, you could go buy, you know, some packs if you want to spend the money. So it's almost like fantasy sports. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you could still, like, unlock stuff, you know, on this mode, but, like, I don't know. I really don't do anything with that. I just don't really find that all that fun. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can still have fun with the game without paying any additional money beyond the 40, 50, 60 bucks that you've paid for it, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, you could definitely ignore it. Oh, that's good. And not having any issues. Good, good, good. Because I get concerned with Electronic Arts. They get such a bad reputation for that nowadays. So, anyways, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Let's, let's fall back to 1991. We're going to listen to the title theme from a game that came out on the Amiga. And this one was called Face Off. And uh, we're getting some all-star composers here on this show. So we just came from uh, John Hay and Rob Hubbard. Now we're going to listen to something from the incredible Matt Furness. Let's take a listen to title theme from Face Off.
All right, guys, that was the title theme from Face Off, which came out on the Amiga in 1991, and that was composed by Mr. Matt Furness. And Furness. <laughs> the Furnace. Yes, I was so fortunate to be able to have him on my previous VGM podcast. He's a fantastic guy, full of uh, amazing knowledge about the video game industry back then and, and composing for the Amiga and the, the Sega Genesis, and it was, a, it was a great opportunity and a great joy to have him on that show. This track is one of the tracks that I actually considered to put on that interview show way back in the day, and I'm glad I didn't because it's a hockey title, so I could play it on this one. It's a great little Amiga tune, and for a four-channel track, he does a really good job at kind of juggling those tracks to make it sound like it's always very, very full. I like the little percussion set that he's got going on there and some nice choices of samples for some synths. What do you think about it, Alex? I actually really like that track, which I can't exactly say, you know, for the game itself, though. The game itself is terrible. So this is like one of those games where it's like, I'm glad it came out just for this music. But the game, like I was saying earlier in the show, this is a good example of one of those games where, like, there's no skating physics whatsoever. Characters will just, like, move straight across the screen, and then when you press up, they immediately just turn up at a right angle, like you're just moving a cursor. Like, it's so bad. Yeah, I was watching some uh, some gameplay for it, and it just, I don't know, everything just looked sluggish. Yep. And, like... I'm not really picky about puck physics, but it just seemed like it was really bad. And like, you know, the puck will like hit the corner and it just stops, it stops on a dime. Right. And I'm like, what? There's there's no momentum. The physics engine was really bad. So the, the standard kind of tradition for like one button hockey games is if you want to pass the puck, you press the button really quickly. And if you want to shoot the puck, you would hold the button down, kind of charge up your shot a little bit, and then let go to slap the shot at the net. This one does it backwards for some reason. You tap the button to shoot, and then you hold the button down to pass. It's like, it's completely counter-logical, and it, it screwed me up almost every single time. So, you know, this game was developed by Chrysalis, which I know Matt Furness had really close ties to, and they were a really good developer. They put out a lot of really good games. Unfortunately, hockey was just not their forte. So I can I can forgive them this one for the rest of the cool stuff that they put out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, good track for the Amiga. I think there weren't many hockey games that came out on the Amiga at all. So at least they got a couple. And, you know, this was before NHL 93 came out on you know in that in that country too so it's probably was developed by people who didn't know know a lot of hockey to begin with you know i don't think there were any televised hockey games or anything in europe at that time so they were probably just going by footage that they had from american hockey games and such i think there's only two or three tracks in this soundtrack it might just be the title theme and like an in-game menu theme so uh go download the soundtrack if you're really interested in it but i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend checking out the game at all so let's move on to finally a pick from Alex because we're going chronological. I always have a tendency to dig way, way, way back in history to find cool tracks from from like European computers and stuff. Um, but Alex has a great Game Boy track coming up. What's what's next, sir? It is from Blades of Steel, and actually, just like you mentioned, this is the uh, the Game Boy version. I don't know. Everyone seems they when they think of Blades of Steel, they always think of the the NES version. Yeah, and. Yeah, this is the uh, the in-game music, 
composed by Hidehiro Funuchi and Akiko Ito. All right, let's take a listen. That was the in-game music from Blades of Steel, the Game Boy port that came out in 1991, and that was composed by Hidehiro Funauchi and Akiko Ito. So, Alex, this being your first pick, why don't you let us know why'd you pick this one? Because I definitely wanted to play something from Blades of Steel, because it's like one of the best hockey games ever. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, completely forgot that there there was a Game Boy port you know, for that game, and I actually kind of prefer the soundtrack over the uh, NES version. I do too, you know what, because this track, it has such a great use of the Game Boy stereo that the NES wasn't able to utilize, and I love the way those square channels kind of like bounce back and forth in your ear. It makes the sound sound so like wide and spacious. And even that little synth that comes in towards the end is is really cool too. Like this is a really well composed, very solid sounding track. And you know, Konami was always fantastic with their music, so I, I kind of expected it. But for a hockey game, you know, you don't always expect the best music in the world. And I think they really did a good job with this one. Yeah, I, I just got that you know that that bass part just kind of just stuck in my head. I just it's very very catchy, uh, especially for being played like while you're playing hockey. Like I would probably just want to like just sit there with the puck on my stick and continue to listen to the song rather than <laughs> like head for the opponent's net or anything like that i was like i definitely don't want to score because <laughs> that'll change the music oh no but both of these guys have had a lot of uh, game boy experience to their name so like hirohiro funouchi aside from this uh did skater die bad and rad on the game boy castlevania 2 belmont's revenge Quarth, Castlevania the Adventure. So, I mean, they did a lot of Game Boy music. Akiko Ito uh, worked on Kid Dracula, Parodius, and Pop and Twin B. So, a lot of Konami's really kind of like big titles back then, they both had hands in, in composing for. So, that kind of explains the quality of the music here. Have you have you played this one compared to the NES Blades of Steel? Uh, I actually dabbled in this uh, Game Boy 1 a little bit. And, uh,. There's not really a whole lot, you know, I could say definitely about, you know, from the uh, the NES version. I mean, you know, they're both really good games. Were you So you were more of a Blades of Steel guy back then over the uh, the original NES ice hockey? Uh, definitely. And ice hockey, I mean, that's a pretty good game, too. Yeah. I just kind of preferred uh, Blades of Steel. Yeah, ice hockey was the game that I owned as a kid. And all my friends had Blades of Steel. So I would go over to their house to play Blades of Steel, and they would come to my place to play ice hockey. And they're both very different games. I think 
Blades of Steel had a little bit more polish to it and had the fighting element. So there were some, you know, like penalties and stuff. And uh, ice hockey had that element of more of like some tactics involved because you would choose the size of your players at the beginning of each match. And uh, so you can kind of choose which configuration was right for you. It's almost like rock, paper, scissors where the bigger characters would be slower, but they would easily overpower the skinny characters. So that was a fun game to play. And then Blades of Steel was just like all out. Everybody was fully powered up. And it was just kind of like a beastly hockey game that just was just a, a grand lot of fun. So if the Game Boy had any fraction of that amount of slickness and power that the original Blades of Steel had, then I imagine it would be a really fun game to take on the go with you. Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into the next game. This is one of my picks. This is a very interesting title. This is a Famicom-only release, and this is the title theme from Ike Ike Neketsu Hakibu Subete Koronde Dai Rantu. And this was composed by Kazuo Sawa, Michiya Hirasawa, and Yoshihiro Kameoka. This came out for the Famicom in 1992. That was the title theme from Ike Ike Neketsu Hakibu Subete Koronde Dairontu, and that came out on the Famicom in 1992, and that was composed by Kazuo Sawa, Mishiya Hirasawa, and Yoshihiro Kameoka. Uh, I did a brief internet translation on that subtitle of the game, the Subete Koronde Dairontu, and that loosely translates to, I'm going to slide and fly away. <laughs> so... <laughs> I guess it's just uh, kind of talking about losing control of your ice skates or something like that. But uh, I like this track a lot, and it sounds a lot like a lot of the other Technos games. I mean, this game is from the River City Ransom series, the Kuniyo-kun series. So it's got guys that look just like Super Dodgeball and River City Ransom, like those kind of guys. But they're all playing hockey instead. And so you get music that sounds a lot like it's either from that series or Double Dragon. A lot of these composers worked on Double Dragon and such. So that's probably where you were you were telling me as we were listening to the music that you heard a lot of Double Dragon in this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely hear that sound out of this track. For sure. And uh, it's there's a lot of action in this track, too. It's interesting because, and we'll, we'll get a little more into this as we get to some other tracks in the show, but... It seems the Japanese-developed hockey games really like to play music while you're playing hockey. And the games that were developed in, like, either Europe or the United States, 
it would just be hockey sounds and then maybe some organ, you know, whenever a, a goal is scored or there's a penalty or something, and you wouldn't hear a lot of background music. So I really tend to like the games that have the background music while you're playing. I just feel like it makes the action a little more enjoyable, kind of gives your ears something to groove to. But being a VGM fan, I mean, I guess that's kind of a natural <laughs> way to think about it. Would you Would you rather have music playing while you're playing hockey or would you rather just hear the sound effects? You know, that's actually a really good question because, like, I don't know if, like, if I really, you know, want, like, the authentic, you know, hockey experience, then maybe not having, you know, music, I would probably want that. But, I mean, you know, for something that is, you know, maybe more, you know, arcadey or whatever, then, yeah, definitely have some music playing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think the arcadey stuff definitely would benefit from music, but if you're going for that serious kind of, uh, you want to feel like you're actually in the arena with the players, then, you know, just having the sounds of the skates and, you know, guys slamming into each other's faces is probably the better way to go with just, like, those those kind of traditional organs. So that's a, that's a very good point. This game definitely very, very arcadey. I think it's it's only four on four instead of five on five, and it's very violent. You can kind of knock guys down all over the place. When you're on defense, you can literally swing your stick like it's a baseball bat, practically, to knock guys down. So it's it's about high school kid, you know, like like delinquent high school kids playing hockey. So there's a lot of violent action involved in it. And uh, if you're used to you know playing like Super Dodgeball on the NES. This has that same kind of feel to it. It's kind of over the top. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play. I definitely recommend you check it out because it's uh, you can get right into it. You don't need to know a lot of Japanese to get through the menus. You just kind of select your characters and you're ready to go. There's a little bit of a story involved, but you can easily kind of skip through it and get right to the gameplay. But once you're in there, you, you'll have a good time playing. So, Alex, you should definitely try to grab this ROM and, and give it a whirl. Yeah, that, that game, it looks pretty awesome. They would do, like, these, like, jumping trick shots and mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, wow, that just looks so awesome. <laughs> they added a lot of those super dodgeball elements into hockey, so they, they really blended it pretty well there. So uh, let's get into something a little more serious. I think this is the, the first electronic arts hockey game we're playing this episode. We've talked a lot about the game, so now we're going to actually hear some music and talk about it a little bit. Alex, why don't you introduce our next track? You honestly cannot have an episode about hockey without talking about NHL 94. So this is the game setup track composed by Michael J. Sokirka. Let's take a listen.
All right, we're back. That was Game Setup from Michael J. Sokurka. That was on the awesome NHL 94, released on the SNES at the end of 1993. This is a very nostalgic track for both of us, right, Alex? Yeah. And I mean, I could have picked something, you know, from the Genesis version or even the Sega CD, but... I, you know, in the end, decided to go with the SNES version. Yeah, I think we were talking about this particular year of games, NHL 94, you know, before we recorded the show, and and you asked me, you were like, should I do the Genesis or the SNES, or what should I do? So I took a listen to them both, and as soon as I heard the SNES version, I was like, I remember this from my youth. So uh, I'm glad you made this final choice, because this game brought back a lot of memories when I kind of was refreshing my memory. I, I knew I had an an EA NHL game when I was a kid. I couldn't remember which year it was, though, and I always thought it was 95, but then as soon as I booted up 94, I was like, I definitely had this game. I remembered all the graphics, like, all the memories of playing with my brother when I was a kid just came flooding back, so... Is that the same kind of experience you had, or did you play with your dad, or did you play with your brothers on this on this game? I actually played it, you know, with my dad, and, you know, also my brother, and, you know, some friends also kind of dabbled in, you know, with some NHL 95 as well. Yeah, I don't I don't remember if we actually got other NHL games when I was a kid. I think we pretty much just had 94 and because we weren't huge in the hockey. It wasn't like the updated rosters really meant that much to us. So I think as, as long as we were having fun with 94, we didn't really feel any need to go get other hockey games because we just kind of had one game per sport. <laughs> as long as we enjoyed it, we kind of stuck with that one. So but I do, I do, I really like this track. It's got a nice rock feel to it. It's got some awesome heavy percussion with some nice cymbals. Uh, I was talking before about that. It's got kind of like a Tim Fallen guitar solo towards the end with like a nice little riff going on there. It's a great example of like American game composition. We've, we've heard a lot of Japanese tracks and a lot of European tracks. I think this is one of the first American besides Hit the Ice. But that was kind of a joke track. So this is, I guess, the first serious American track that we've played so far. And I think it's a really good example of it. I definitely do want to ask you this, though. Mm -hmm. So when you were playing, you know, NHL 94, like, who was, like, your, you know, your go-to team? I think it was usually the Bruins. Um, We would just kind of pick them based on power. Like, so we didn't really, like I said, like hockey that much. So, you know, it shows you the strengths and weaknesses of each team when you're picking them. So my brother and I would try to pick teams that were kind of well-matched. So we had kind of an even keel. Back at this point, the Hartford Whalers were still a thing. And we live in Connecticut. So like, you know, Hartford Whalers were kind of like the team we should be rooting for. But they're so weak in this game that I don't think we ever really picked them because they it, it was just you weren't going to have a chance of winning if anybody else picked a different team. So... Unfortunately, uh, the Whalers are no longer a thing, even though if you walk around Connecticut, you'd you'd still see enough Whalers jerseys and stickers to think that they were still a hockey team in Connecticut. It's kind of strange. So who who did you pick? Would you always go with your favorite, the Penguins? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And actually, they were really good in NHL 94 as well. Yep, yep, I remember that. I wish there was a way to play this online. It would be great to play a game like my NHL 94 Bruins against your Penguins. We should, we should see if we can find an emulator or something that we can, like, get an online game of NHL 94 going and, like, stream it online or something. That would be a really cool thing to do. Oh, man, that would be a lot of fun. We'll have to see if we can do that. That'd be fun. Uh, any other cool memories you have of this game? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. 
Cool, this is definitely one to check out. You know, this is kind of where Electronic Arts really started taking off with their NHL series. It's just, it's so playable. The sound effects are great. The skating physics are great. All the skaters feel like they have a real weight to them and a real momentum behind them. It's easy to kind of pick up and grasp and easy to get the puck away from somebody else, but then it's also easy to kind of control the puck if you know what you're doing and do some really nice like one-touch passes and, you know, kind of confuse the goalie here and there. So they're really starting to get into the deeper strategies of hockey with this game, where the earlier games were just kind of like, try to make it down the rink and see if you can get it in the net without a lot of uh, strategy behind it. So I think this one really kind of gave true hockey fans that that feel that they were looking for, where they can actually control what's going on in the rink. So uh, that's what kind of set them up for success as their NHL games went on in the future. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely the game that, you know, you know, after you, you're done, you know, listening to the episode, you want to, like, check out any of these games. Like, NHL 94 is, like, the game that I definitely recommend. Yeah, go for this one first, for sure. And you'll get to experience what we experienced when we were kids. And that's just an awesome, playable hockey game. You don't even need to know much about the rules of the game. It kind of helps you out in that respect. So then you'll be like, icing, what's that? <laughs> and you have to face off again. <laughs> but you'll figure it out eventually. All right, so let's move on to another Super Nintendo hockey game that was released in the same year. Okay, so this is in the U.S. It was called Pro Sport Hockey. And then in Japan, it was called USA Hockey. And the interesting thing about this game is that, like, like I was saying earlier in the show, in the Japanese version, there was music that played during the gameplay segments. And in the American version, it was just sound effects. So this is actually music from the Super Famicom version of the game that didn't appear in the USA version of the game, even though the games are practically identical to each other. So this is a song called Let's Play Hockey First Period, and this is composed by Takeshi Ichida. Alright, that was Let's Play Hockey, first period, from Pro Sport Hockey, released on the SNES in 1993, and that was composed by Takeshi Ichida. I really like this soundtrack, especially this particular track. It's got, I don't know, it just feels so good. Uh, this is a game that was developed by Jalico, so I think it uses a very similar instrument set to a lot of the other Jalico games that were out around that time, like uh, Earth Defense Force and stuff, so those sounds feel very familiar to me because I played a lot of Jolico games back then. It has this nice, super cheery, kind of upbeat feel, like like the beginning of like a cartoony platformer kind of a deal. Maybe I mean, maybe that's why they removed it for the US version, that they thought US gamers would not appreciate it. 
but uh, listening to it on its own, I, I just I got a lot of feelings of, of joy and like positivity out of it. What what'd you take from this one? Oh, I thought this was like a jam. I I was just totally digging that. Yeah, this is definitely a hidden gem as far as uh, SNES soundtracks go. And the ending theme is really good too. It just it feels more like an RPG ending. It didn't really fit in with like a hockey motif, but I urge you to definitely go and check out the ending theme from this soundtrack on your own. Uh, and, and like I said, so this music doesn't appear at all on the North American version of the game. There's only sound effects, and then you get the the organ playing in between periods and you know during penalties and stuff in the U.S. version. And the Japanese version has different music for first, second, and third periods. So there's like three whole pieces that were written for this game that you never even hear in the U.S. version, which is kind of lame. The game itself, it looks good. Uh, it actually looks almost better than NHL 94. The rink has kind of a mode 7 quality to it, so it kind of like tilts back and forth as the as the camera moves back and forth. The characters are nice and big, they're animated really well. It feels pretty good to skate around. Uh, the one thing that they did that kind of ruined this game was they created a like a fatigue aspect to it. And so what happens is the players and the goalies get tired over time, so they're almost invincible, like for the first period of the game. The goalies are impossible to score on. Uh, it's really easy to get the puck, so you're just, you're constantly going back and forth like crazy and constantly trying to shoot on these goalies. And by the end of the game, they're so tired that you almost could like sneeze and get the puck past the goalie. So it's like, it's a very unbalanced kind of game. And you can turn fatigue off in the options if you don't like how that goes, but that means the goalies are at full strength through the entire game. So you're like playing zero to zero games, zero to one games, like it's really almost impossible to score. So it got really low ratings and reviews from a lot of the people at the time because they they just didn't like that that balance of how it all worked out. Did you know of any other games that have like that kind of a uh, aspect to them? With I mean, do they do that in modern games like the NHL games nowadays? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it would be like as bad as you know pro sport hockey, but like they would have like kind of like I guess a like a fatigue meter kind of deal. You know, the longer that you know you're you're out on the ice, you know, you start to get kind of tired as time goes on. Yeah, and that's kind of natural for hockey. You know. It, they didn't do it so much in the older games, but as games got more realistic and went on, you know, you'd see players go, you know, into the into the booth and other players would come out during penalty times and new face-offs and stuff. So I guess around this time is where that started to happen. But I, I, I didn't play enough to know if you could swap your goalie out when they got fatigued. I, I don't I don't know how... Does that even work in a hockey game? Can you swap your goalie out mid-game or do you have to wait until, like, between periods or... Like, you know, if, if your goalie's just getting, like, let up, yeah, they'll definitely throw their back up in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of just maybe, I don't know, spark something, you know, in the team, play better, whatever. Right, right. Just get a new pair of legs in there to, to see if they can take care of the onslaught if your defense is weak. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that fatigue aspect, I, I, don't, I don't know in pro sport hockey if they allow substitutions. So I don't know if, like, you just get one goalie that gets weaker over time and suddenly you're just kind of crawling along on the ice, barely able to stand up by the end of the third period, or, uh, or if you can actually, you know, trade somebody out 
during the game. But I don't know if you're gonna go for a for a 1993 SNES hockey game, definitely stick with NHL '94 over pro sport hockey. Um, but if you want to listen to a great soundtrack while you're playing the game, uh, NHL doesn't have any in-game music, so uh, go get the Japanese version, USA Sport Hockey or something like that. Uh, grab that one for the Super Famicom, and then you can play a okay hockey game with some excellent background music, and then you'll have a decent soundtrack to jam to. So, uh, yeah, so let's jump ahead a couple years to 1995. We've got another arcade-style hockey game coming up. This is NHL 2-on-2 Open Ice Challenge, and this came out on the arcade and the PlayStation. This is background music from, again, John Hay. Welcome back. That was the menu music from NHL 2-on-2 Open Ice Challenge. That came out on the arcade and the PlayStation in 1995. This is the second track of the show composed by Mr. John Hay, and the games are actually pretty similar to each other, with a few differences. Uh, This one is more of a 3D polygonal game, while the original Hit the Ice was uh, like a sprite-based game more similar to the original NBA Jam. So why'd you pick this one, Alex? It's actually one of those games that it always looked really fun to me and I, you know, always wanted to play it. And I actually tried to play this game, <laughs> you know, for research for the show. And, you know, I had to use, you know, the dreaded emulators and stuff. Dun dun and dun. I know there's some people out there that they're like, you know, you gotta actually have, you know, you know, the real hardware and the games and stuff. You shouldn't be, you know, trying to be downloading ROMs and stuff from the internet. Yeah, you know, my opinion on that is, if you're doing research for a podcast like this, being able to play it on an emulator is probably better than not playing it at all. If you actually want to talk about some gameplay, so, uh, so that's that's kind of where I stand on the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I did I did play this myself, and I had a lot of fun with it. For the for the PlayStation, it's got some really good graphics, and it plays very smoothly. Just like Hit the Ice, there's two players per team plus the goalie, so it's a three on three kind of deal. But you can only control the uh, the actual. You can't control the goalies, is basically what I'm trying to say. You can only control the the, the two players on the in the. What do you call them? The, the the hockey player. I mean, they're all hockey players. So what do you call a non-goalie player? Well, a rinkman. I mean, a rinkman. They're just you know <laughs> skaters. Skaters. Like, yeah, there we go. But you got forwards and you got defensemen. Right. 
but and the defensemen can't go over the second blue line, right? They can't get they can't go so far down the rink to the other. Oh, they net. can. They oh, can. Okay. I mean, they could pretty much, you know, if they want to go, you know, behind the, you know, the other goalies net, I mean, they could go there. Oh, okay. I don't recommend it, but <laughs> not when you got another goal to defend, but but there's really no positions on 2 on 2 because you're pretty much just both playing offense and defense at the same time because this this game is another one of those games where like like I said like NBA Jam it's extremely fast uh you're not going to end up with like a one to two score at the end of the game on this one you're you're constantly shooting against the goalie the goalies are kind of like they're unnamed kind of like dummies you know once in a while they'll block a shot but it's pretty easy to score in this game so it makes it a lot of fun if you're a good fan of offensive plays in hockey games. I actually definitely find this game a lot more fun than Hit the Ice. Yeah, I think they really kind of developed the gameplay a little bit more. There was uh, one pretty, you know, big difference between the arcade and the uh, PlayStation port, you know, of this game. And it just has to do with one of the teams. In the uh, the arcade version, you got the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. They're uh, in that game, but in between, you know, the arcade version and the PlayStation version, they actually relocated to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. It became the uh, Phoenix Coyotes, and the Coyotes are on the uh, PlayStation version. Oh, that's really cool. I've never heard of a game that has done that before. We've got an entirely different team because of a relocation. That's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the next game. This is a non... It's it's not entirely hockey, so this is probably the first game where we've got one that's not a dedicated hockey game. This is the ice hockey theme from Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games. And this came out on the Wii in 2009. And it is a laundry list of Japanese composers here. So there's Fumie Kumitani, Neofumi Hitaya, Hideaki Kobayashi, Jun Senwe, Tadashi Kinukawa, Teruhiro Nakagawa, and Tomonori Sawada. A lot of familiar Sega names in that list. So let's take a listen to the ice hockey theme.
All right, that was the ice hockey theme from Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games that came out on the Wii in 2009, composed by Fumie Kumitani, Naofumi Hitaya, Hideaki Kobayashi, Jun Senue, Tadashi Kinukawa, Teruhiko Nakagawa, and Tomonori Sawada. This is a really big game with a lot of different themes, so I'm sure a lot of these composers kind of worked on their own versions of each game. I wish I had the composer for this particular track uh, because I really like this track. I think this is one of my favorite of the show. I love, it's got that like very sporty organ feel and then it's got these like percussive elements that are so uh, like Konami Ninja Turtles. You get those like bump bump every like, you know, 16 measures or whatever. It's it's so much fun to listen to. It's so energetic. I, could, I feel like I could skate forever to this track what did you like about it oh yeah the percussion was definitely like one of my like favorite things about this track it's just like i just i i really like that dun dun yeah like you 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 really feel it i feel like this this song had more of like a bright springtime feel than maybe an ice hockey feel but i don't really even care man because it's so good i i could listen to it during anything (laughs) and this is one of the rare games that actually has music while you're playing hockey so i like that concept too because i think all things considered i'd rather have music than not but i'll still play it without anyway have you played the ice hockey from this version or did you just listen to the soundtrack i just listened to the soundtrack i mean i kind of watched you know a little bit of gameplay for it and i mean it looks all right yeah it's very arcadey you know i mean what can you expect from a bunch of mushroom kingdom characters (laughs) playing hockey but I think a lot of these Mario and Sonic Olympic games, games, they don't get the respect they deserve because they're very well-designed games. They are a lot of fun to play, but they're very cartoony and they feel like they were made for the younger set. But I think just about anybody can have fun playing them. You know, I've, I've played the first couple, too, that came out. And uh, it's, it's just cool to see Mario and Sonic in the same game together, never mind... You know, the fact that they're actually well put together games with some fantastic soundtracks. I mean, you look at this list of composers, Fumie Kumitani, Neofumi Hitaya, Jun Senue, like lots of really classic Sonic composer, like Sonic Adventure and all these great flagship Sega titles that these composers have worked on. So you're getting a lot of quality music from these games. Uh, did you listen to any of the other tracks from this soundtrack when you were listening to this one? I mean, I got kind of distracted by, you know, hearing some of the uh, awesome, you know, remixes of, you know, various, you know, Mario and Sonic songs. But, uh, yeah, for this, I was actually pretty surprised on, you know, how good it was. I was kind of expecting, like, I don't know, maybe something, you know, kind of bland sounding or, I don't know, maybe, like, corny energetic kind of songs that you'll hear on like some Mario Kart games and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I kind of had my, you know, expectations a little low kind of, you know, checking this game out, you know, soundtrack wise and kind of just grew to love this track. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah, I think this one's going to end up in my collection as one of my in-car driving around with the windows down kind of tracks. This was a definite good pick. So moving on to the last track of our show this was i think the first track that you actually picked when we were putting our music together for this one what's coming up next 
This is from NHL 18, and this is the uh, the menu theme one, and it is composed by unknown. We have no idea who composed this. And this came out at the end of 2017 for the Xbox One and the PS4.
right, that was Menu Theme 1 from Mr. or Mrs. Unknown from the game NHL 18, the most recent in Electronic Arts' hockey lineup that came out on the Xbox One and PS4 in 2017. So this game has... You can choose between a licensed soundtrack with pop and rock music from actual bands, or you can switch over to songs composed by electronic arts, actual artists and stuff. So this is one of those songs composed specifically for the game. And it's really, really good. I really like this. What, what was your reasoning for choosing this one for the... I, I know it was your first pick, so you must have been raring to put this one in the show. Well, I definitely wanted something, you know, from a, you know, a modern game on this and i just for whatever reason like this is like the first thing that you know came to my mind you know that play on this show so yeah i i like it has so many different elements to it i like that it's got like a very suspenseful kind of movie trailer feel to it but then you've also got these kind of hard rock elements and there's some industrial style percussions and some violin and, and a nice little kind of plinky plunky i don't know what to call it little sequence like two-thirds of the way right before the end and then it picks back up again like it's very well composed it moves to a lot of different places this if it were playing in a menu and you were you know configuring your team or choosing your options you would never get tired of this track even if it played a bunch of times because it feels like a whole bunch of very well composed series of songs that all kind of blend into each other really well and it's definitely it's definitely a song that i hear a lot and like i'll be like kind of you know in the menus just kind of just messing around with a whole bunch of stuff and i love that you know it just kind of goes all over the place like there's just times where it's like it's kind of atmospheric you know a little moody and then it just hits you you know with the violins and the guitar yep it's just great stuff keeps you entertained keeps you wondering what's coming next that's kind of what makes a song great, you know? You're, you're anticipating what's coming next, and, and you can't wait to hear it. So especially if you're going to hear a song over and over again like this one, you're always kind of... There's enough parts where you're not just memorizing every single note throughout the entire song, and it's getting bland on you. It's always keeping you interested. So well done, Mr. or Mrs. Unknown Composer. You know, we, we actually did some digging to try to find out who actually composed this song because it was so good. I, I wanted to know it because I wanted to hear more from them. And, uh, you know, they've got the credits for all of the licensed tracks, and they've got credits for the music executives from Electronic Arts, but they don't have anyone specifically credited for writing these pieces of music, which is unfortunate because I really think they deserve some credit. Yeah, I definitely, I had to, like, sit through, like, all these credits and stuff, <laughs> and I was just so disappointed that I couldn't find a composer for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe somebody out there knows, or maybe it's buried somewhere in the game that somebody will find eventually. And Or, you know, maybe it's, it was just created by an outside contractor for EA, you know, that has some music already prepared, and they just kind of purchased the music and uh, and didn't credit them. Who, who knows? But uh, anyways, I'm glad you picked this one, because this is a really good song. And I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with hockey music at this point you know it's not one of those genres where you think of and go yeah man hockey has some great music in their video games but here's a good selection of tunes that they're all very listenable they've all got a great energy to them uh, i wouldn't say they all feel like hockey but that's neither here nor there i think they're all really good tracks some of them obviously like like hit the ice you know 
that feels like hockey because it just feels like guys slamming each other into the wall boards. But <laughs> there are some other games that, that don't have that kind of hockey feeling but still have really, really good soundtracks. And if you play them enough with a hockey game, I'm sure you'll get that association. So so what do you think was your favorite track from the show, Alex? Oh, man, that is tough. Hard to decide, huh? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I might have really liked that... Uh just that ice hockey theme from uh, Mario and Sonic. That might have been my favorite. Yeah, you know what? That was that's that might be my favorite too. That might be the track of the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna call. I don't know, man. Face off. The Matt Furness track was really good too. Oh, that one was amazing as well. And uh, Pro Sport Hockey was one of my favorite, just because it's like this undiscovered soundtrack that's actually really really good that not many North American players have ever heard before. So. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Mario and Sonic. I think between the two of us, we'll we'll crown that the the best of show with a, with a whole bunch of very very close runner ups. So yeah, I really I really enjoyed the music in this show, and I hope everybody else did too. If you want to tell us how you felt about the show, please find us on iTunes, and you can leave a rating and a review of the show there. You can find VG Embassy on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com/groups slash the VG Embassy, and you can find the post where this show is located, and you can leave some comments there or just make a post on your own. On Twitter, you can find me at the VG Embassy or my personal Twitter at Ruiner9. I know you can chat with me there. I'm really looking forward to seeing feedback from you guys. Uh, As I've said on previous episodes, I'm kind of buffering a whole bunch of episodes in the wings before I officially launch the VG Embassy, so... Uh, Coming out in July. This show will probably play at the end of July or the beginning of August, but right now we're recording it in May, so uh, I'm not going to have a real chance to interact with you guys until probably the first, you know, five or six episodes are done, but I'm hoping the first five or six episodes will be uh, episodes that you guys will really enjoy. Uh, If this is your first episode tuning in, go check out episode one and two and three. Episode one was uh, talking about Echo the Dolphin, the entire series with Emily from the VGM Jukebox uh, with a special guest, my youngest son, Logan, who helped us play the Echo Junior games. So that was a hoot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Episode two, I had Dread, otherwise known as Trevin Hughes. He's an amazing chip tuner. He's the guy that wrote the theme song for this show. Uh, we talked about shoot 'em ups, and there's always great music in shmups. Uh, episode three was a solo show. I talked about one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, Hyperzone on the SNES. So please go check those out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on those as well. We've got some amazing podcasts coming up very soon, and uh, I want you guys to check them out. Alex, thank you so much for being a VG ambassador today. I'm so glad you got to share with us your passion for hockey, and we got to explore a lot of really cool, undiscovered, and and kind of well-known hockey songs, and I'd love to have you back on a future show. Well, thank you for, you know, having me on here, Ed. This was definitely a lot of fun. Awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And like I said, I'm, I'm having kind of a rotating cast of guest hosts. So all the people that you've heard guest host with me on the show probably won't be the last time that you hear from them. We'll have them come back and do different topics and different things. Uh, I've got some really, really cool Patreon ideas in the works with a way for you guys to become active in the show and interact with 
the VG Embassy. So stay tuned for that, and I'm going to have guest hosts uh, participating in those Patreon-specific shows. So I don't have a URL for that yet. I haven't set up the Patreon as of this recording, but once I do, I will definitely put that in the show notes, and I'll let you guys uh, know a little bit more about what tiers I'm going to have and how you guys can take part in the show once that Patreon is set up. So again, thank you so much for listening to the VG Embassy. Again, thank you, Alex, Mr. The Messenger, for coming on and sharing hockey with us. And we will see you back next time with a very special show. And I've got a couple shows set up, but I'm not sure which one I'm recording next, so I'm going to leave it a secret for now. All right, so once again, Alex, thank you for coming and hanging out with me today. So what what do you have going on on the web? Where can people find you? You could follow me on Twitter at TheMessenger94. I don't really tweet all that much, but I might tweet something interesting. I don't totally recommend that you follow me, but you could follow me. (laughs) But I also have a Facebook group called the uh, VGM Podcast Fans. And it's just fans of, you know, any VGM podcast. They go there and talk, you know, VGM podcasts. It's uh, definitely a good group. Definitely a good group. And there are, like I said, lots of fans of podcasts. Uh, just about anybody that you're going to hear on my show is is pretty much going to be a member there. Robin Purnell from Rhythm and Pixels hang out there. Uh, Josh and Emily from the VGM Jukebox hang out there. I'm in there. My former co-host Mike from Pixel Tunes hangs out there. Uh, Carl from the Super Mercado Brothers just joined not too long ago as of this recording. Uh, who else is in there? Edgar Velasco from Retro VGM Revival Hour. Uh, John Wedgworth from Nerd Noise Radio. He's on there. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Frank, the uh, two hosts from uh, BG Mania, they're on there. Um, yeah. So there's like a handful of other people that I'm not even thinking of, and too many to too many to <laughs> to even list at this point. There's quite a handful of these VGM podcasters in that group. Exactly, and and that's why I I really like to kind of uh, use that group as as my community. Uh, standpoint, because I, I want the VG Embassy to be like a real embassy is to to get people in, to share culture, to connect people with each other. So you know, I'm hoping that people will reach out to me, and I can reach out to them, and we can work together to make some awesome shows together, just like I've done with you today, Alex. Because I would never have done a hockey show by myself, you know. And I know that it's one of your passions, so I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get together and you could teach me a little bit about hockey and I could dig up some obscure stuff with my VGM skills. So, you know, we team up and a cool show comes out of it. So stay tuned for more shows, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the VG Embassy and we will see you next time. Yeah, have a good one, everyone. Bye.